Thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you by the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And I would like to hopefully be the first to wish you a happy new year on these internet airwaves as it is January 1st, 2024. And we are bringing you a very special edition of Bandwagon Nerds, part one of two, as voted upon by 11 listeners, probably a record low. We give you the nerdies. Yeah. Did we get up to 11? Is that... (laughs) We got to 11. 11 votes. The Nerdies wins at, 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 uh, at poll close. The Nerdies. A.K.A. Uh, I, I, called the Streamies and we couldn't figure out what to call them. And so it is now called the Nerdies because that's what it is. The, those voices you've heard, PC Tunney, David Ungar. We are also joined once again by our good friend from the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Still, a, I hear a quality podcast. I hear it's good. Uh, our good friend DJ joining us as well. Uh, someday. Um, DJ, but today is not that day. So I, I of course, Patrick O'Dowd, wrestling realist, number one chair shot villain, all of that good stuff. We, ho- the holiday season is over. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to the four of us on our Christmas special. Special. I thought that was a lot of fun. We did the we did the holiday project, uh, Redux, uh, good times. Dave, good post production work. Uh, I was pleased to to hear the very yeah. lengthy Alistair Sim speech. Yeah, Dave. Great oh, job. Wow, Tony. Wow, Tony just Tony throwing. I know. No, no, I mean, just. I was just. I was just like. I was not a fan. I was myself. Way to put it over, pal. No, that I didn't listen. I was listening. My bad. Oh, that that's that's not exactly. That, that still was definitely it over. not the way we read that. We read that as you listened to the whole damn show, and we're like, "Fuck, no. what the hell was Dave doing?" No, no it's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, good job, Dave. Yeah, yeah." I, I thought the Blink One Eighty Two outro song was was very appropriate for us. So. It, yeah, it kind of worked. How was everybody's uh, holiday week? I, I can tell you what I got for Christmas. I got a $40 gift card to Amazon and COVID. So that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Is that like a two-for-one deal that they were doing on Amazon or something? Did they together or yeah. did you get those separately? I, I'm not sure if they no, I, I was not sold? Where it is? Your uh, wife's it, name? What's your wife's name? Amazon. The Julie, wrong. right? You're just, uh, does, she, does, she dark, does she shop on the dark web or... Julie's no, like, no, actually, I got the perfect uh, bundle for you, sweetie. No, it was, uh, it, w- it was funny because, you know, I started feeling, I started feeling crappy about a week or so ago from when we're recording this, like, or not, uh, uh, like, yeah, about a week or so ago, but really wasn't feeling sick until, or it didn't really feel like anything was coming on until like Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning I woke up and I was like, yeah, I got a, I got a cold. I should just test for COVID. Just to be safe, Christmas miracle, COVID it was, and this is probably the best I've felt in a couple of days. Like I've been, I've been down and out for the count. I, I did our, I went, I went bowling because I was outside of the, uh, I'm outside of the infection window and all that. Fucking gassed, guys. Like <laughs> was just like two frames <laughs> in, and I'm like, good lord, what is going on? Shot a 258. 
So that was awesome. That's the real reason that we got asked about our Christmas right there. So Patrick could tell us that he's 258. And by the way, I also had COVID. He took two side rows and a detour to tell us he shot 258 in bowling. Now, now the other two games I shot 183s. So it wasn't exactly like I tore the world up. But that 258 was, was pretty dope. So, yeah, let's hear it from me. But, I mean, I do... I almost care about your a, holidays. Tony, how was your holiday? What, is, what was that a, is that a new patch you can get from the PBA? Is the uh, COVID 600 you can throw that on your bag? No, I, I do not get a COVID 600. Okay. Um, I was not I was not contagious with COVID, by the way, folks, before y'all go nuts. I, I was outside of my infection window and, and was feeling better yesterday uh, from when we record this um, to where I felt well enough to bowl and then was gassed. Anyway, how was your holiday, Tony? Well, the recreational activities continue. You got the bowl two days before Christmas. I got the golf. Had a good time on Christmas Eve with uh, my nephews and good food over there. And other than that, just been uh, hanging out. Very nice. Very nice. DJ? Uh, It's been nice. I've been off this whole week. Uh, Did Christmas Eve with my aunt. Did Christmas Day with Tina's family. And as you mentioned, the COVID, uh, sitting around today, just kind of putzing around. All of a sudden, my aunt texts me. Her boyfriend tested positive for COVID. He was there. Uh, about 15 minutes later, one of my uncles and his wife, who were also there, tested positive. So Tina tested. I haven't tested yet because right now I don't really have any symptoms. Uh, but I texted my ex-wife, my son, who was with us down Sunday. He was with her. He wasn't feeling well yesterday. He's positive for COVID. So we're probably going to wrap up this recording, and I'm probably going to go test. Had a boy. It's a COVID Christmas, everyone. It is. Merry COVID, everybody. And God bless us, everyone. I've been. Oh, do you have COVID, Dave? I mean, everybody else has COVID. Think so. I don't know. I've been. I've been sick for like two weeks, but it's kind of like just in my head and in my ears now. Um. So, if it was COVID, it's probably you're sick. It's probably evolved now (laughs) into something totally different. It's gained. It's gained sentience. Yeah. You did some holiday walking and stuff. You did some light light trails right we did uh we went to on uh the 23rd we went up to magic mountain for the holiday in the park and uh my son got you know we got to do s'mores and it's like it's funny every time we go there we watch the uh the scene from the sandlot where he explains exactly how to do it so that we don't mess up you know it's like because okay ham and ham gives you the perfect blueprint as to how to do s'mores properly and uh, i think we did okay with that probably put the stick in the marshmallow too far which was a fun mess to clean up but that was all right um and then the next day like you're saying we went to uh the the local zoo here um does like these holiday lights where they decorate the entire zoo in holiday lights and and they've got this great train ride that goes through there it's usually just like a kid's train ride uh, it's been a drive-through since COVID started. This was the first year they went back to a walkthrough, and it was like it was like you know seeing an old friend for the first time in three years. It's like oh, I remember this is how it is, and and this is so much better than just sitting in the car driving through and just kind of like yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was fun, and, and Christmas was pretty low key. Just kind of I cooked some stuff here on the Traeger, did some filet mignon. Tony would have liked it, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. Very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah. So the nerdies that that's, that's what we got. We, we have a, it's a two part episode. I can see Tony is in love with the name. Uh, he will continue to call it though. We couldn't could call it the streamy. So we, he could think of it or whatever that word salad was that you threw out there. 
And that's that's fine. We we know you well enough to know what you're going to do. But we we are going to cover seven categories today, folks. I'm I'm going to be very upfront with this. This this particular show this is the second year we've done this. We don't really have a lot of rules with this, and so these categories really are kind of open to our own interpretation as to how we define something. And so we're going to have these categories, and and we're it's not like our listicle shows. It's not like our projects where, like, if we have the same one, you know, we're sharing and we're raising hands and stopping. You know, there might be somebody who jumps in and be like, oh, I had that too, and that's great. Uh, I did, prior to the show, guys, I did put together an order for everybody under each category in a rotation. So uh, I'm just going to surprise you all with it uh, as I go through and read it off. But I'm assuming everybody had time to do the homework with the categories. Uh, these are probably the more vague. A couple of them are kind of the, uh, some of the more vague categories that you can work with. So thank you, Tony. I see your thumb uh, noted. Uh, boy, you are you're like super troll today. Feisty. Uh, Feisty. I, literally, I literally woke up from a nap like 45 minutes ago. That's I, You know, I was watching bad football. So I, I got that's, that. That's, that's why I fell asleep. Were the commanders the on a day or two early or something? Is that no, what it's, it's just, it's, it's, bo- bowl it's season. college bowl oh. season, man. And it's, you know, you watch half a team play that didn't play all season because everybody sits out now and, and who can blame those kids for sitting out, but you, boy, how do you-, you watch every double digit, uh, mid major team lose to a six and six power five team by double digits. Oh yes. There's that too. With their backups, because again, those those six and six like, like the guys who have pro prospects are sitting out. People are transferring already. It's just the bull season is pointless. There's no there's no reason for it anymore, especially now with the college football playoff the way it is. Other than the money, and as long as the money is there, and we can watch a pop tart get cooked on live television and eaten, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it. So we got that going. I'm here for it, but. All right. Well, like I said, we are going to, before we jump into this, we are going to take our first commercial break or come back. We're going to do three of the seven topics um, in front of, uh, in between this, uh, this first commercial break and the second one. We'll take our second commercial break. We'll do the last four. So kind of a nice, neat, tidy show. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more on the backside. So stay with us, everyone. The Nerdies part one. When we come back, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. 
This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds, part one of the nerdies here, getting you through your New Year's Day hangover. Patrick Redout, PC Tunney, David Ungar, DJ, all going to give you our best of the best in the nerdosphere. I forgot to mention it. If you're having a good New New Year's and you want to just make it a little bit better, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot. Get yourself some chair shot swag. That'll really start the year off right. Get that bandwagon nerd shirt. Get it soft style. It's only a few dollars more, but your giblets will thank you. And if you get that bandwagon nerd shirt, we're going to thank you on the show publicly. It's going to happen. And Patrick O'Dowd will come to your house and thank you. I will not. I will not come to your house. No. If you live somewhere cool, PC Tunney and I will come and thank you personally. You know, okay, guys, we want people to buy the shirts. We want them to buy the shirts. That's true. All right. If you buy a shirt, Chris Platt will come to your house. There you go. I'm not going to anybody's house. I don't even like people enough to go to their houses. And nobody wants you at their house anyway. I don't disagree with them. <laughs> Every Listeners of the bandwagon, sleep easy. DJ's not coming to your house. Yeah, everyone can relax. We'll send Ray Cash to your house before we send DJ. There you go. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, get, damn, let's get to our first category of the nerdies. This year, it is our best under the radar pick now this could be a movie could be a series could be anything because it's our categories in our lists we don't really have a lot of parameters the order of reveal will be for this category david ungar patrick o'dowd pc tunny and dj well i will kick off the nerdies and my award for under the radar thing of the year is wheel of time season two No one talked about this show. Um, I've watched it, and I think I've got like the last episode to go, but it has been really good so far. And I I know a lot of people don't dig it. Patrick is making an interesting looking face. Um, I know know his wife is a big fan of it, and she, I'm sure Patrick will regale me with her feelings on this, but I've really enjoyed season two. I thought it was a little, it's, it's. It's tighter than season one was, and they bring in some different elements and some some much more malevolent sort of enemies. Uh, and, and I very much have enjoyed watching it. I think it's, uh, it, you know, and I don't know if they'll get any more out of it than this, but I hope so, because they've really done a good job at broadening the world and giving some life to these characters who were kind of wooden in season one. And here in season two, they're more fleshed out. They're different. You see them all kind of coming into their own in different ways. So that's, I mean, no one talked about it. It's one of Prime's cornerstone things. Um, so yeah, I for me, under the, the under the radar thing of the year is uh, Wheel of Time season two. Yeah, the reason, the, the Mrs. O'Dowd hating that show so much is why we haven't touched season two yet. The, that first season, I've never watched a woman hate watch a show. Yeah, right, right. With such gusto. Like, wouldn't stop watching it like we had to see it through, but was like angry after every episode. So I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens it if was, I get her down there. It was her lock and key season three. It, it, that is exactly it what it was. Very much so. It, like, I did not need to keep watching that though to hate it. I just I was solidified in my uh, hatred we without. Were, 
bound and obligated to. Tony's under the radar uh, show. The by the way, I can't under the radar show. It's dragged to the so, end. I promise to give it a shot. I'm going to be paying a visit to Prime Video soon, or Prime Streaming anyway, uh, soon as we're going to be covering Invincible Season 2 coming up very, very shortly. Uh, And so it'll be there. I'll be be open and available to it. So we'll have to to give that a look. Uh, For me, for me, my under-the-radar pick is is probably my most recent uh, thing that I've watched and that I just told you guys uh, that you should all check out in our Bandwagon Urge chat. And that is the animated series Blue Eye Samurai, which has been confirmed for a season two. The animation alone is is phenomenal. It's just it's gorgeous artwork. It's set during a period of Japanese isolation. Uh, and it's the story of a woman who is posing as a man. She is the child of a white man and a Japanese mother. She has Amongst the options of who can be her father, one of four white men who are basically like gun traders that are trying to bring their bring themselves into feudal Japan and take it over uh, using their using their advanced weaponry. And so they're working within uh, Japanese um, shoguns and lords, and she is cutting a swath in disguise. And there's so many other subplots to it. There's a ton of famous. It's a it's an almost all Asian cast. Kenneth Branagh is the voice of, of the primary antagonist in the in the film, as well as the as the lone uh, Englishman that is uh, that that you know of. I uh, I really really enjoyed this this series. I think it's really really good. I hope more people check it out because I want to see this story actually reach its conclusion. And it needs eyeballs in order to do that. So Blue Eye Samurai was mine on Netflix. PC Tunny, what is your under the radar winner for the nerdy? Mine is a way of uh, consuming a lot of the media that we uh, get. And it's Screen X because I feel like it's the definition of being under the radar. It's something that's new. It's something that's innovative. Myself and Ray Cash have both gone to movies and Screen X. More and more theaters, they're popping up. And I think this is going to be the wave of what's going to happen throughout the next year and a half. I think by the middle, of, by the summer of 25, in every major market in America, you're going to be able to go to a Screen X and see your superhero movies, your giant animated movies, your action movies, your movies with dramatic uh, cinematography and and landscapes and backgrounds and everything like that, you get this visual of 270 degrees wrapped around you. In addition to having that sound in the theater, now the picture, the visual adds to that and and, and meets that in in surrounding you. So I think that it's the antithesis of Under the Radar is because it's, it's exactly that right now. Not a lot of people know about it, but it's about to explode and it's about to become what we will know as going to the movie theater screen X is going to take over. Cool. And there you have, it. and this is why we don't put parameters on these categories because you never know how the results going to, going to yield itself. <clears throat> I am interested to see these theaters crop up. Uh, and uh, because, you know, I absolutely will check one out. Tim. And there you go. I was just going to say like DJ, Dave, Patrick's already confirmed it. Once you're, once you have a theater within a half an hour to drive to, and there's a movie that fits a screen X that you want to watch it, you will go and see and do that. Because 
I think Ray went and saw the Marvels in it and loved it. I saw the creator in it and loved it. And, you know, when you put that action and you put that that dramatic cinematography with that beautiful backdrop and surround it. Now, it's not for the entire movie, but in a lot of the major parts, in addition to other lighting that's happening around you. So I, it sounds it sounds really cool, like IMAX on steroids or something. So. I will look forward to seeing it one of these days somewhere. Well, I'm sure it's in LA or I, if I want to go down there. <laughs> All right. So DJ is now to you. All right. Well, my under the radar show or movie or thing. My under the radar movie. Um, and actually I, this one kind of jumped back and forth between one of the other categories was a, is actually a 2022 movie that I didn't see until this year called troll. Uh, it's a foreign film, obviously, you know, it's a, kind of a schlocky type of thing. And every now and then I look for that and I was looking for something sci-fi and just kind of flipping around on Netflix and just couldn't find anything. And I settled in on this one and it's absolutely schlocky, but it's just a lot of good fun. And if you're a fan of like monster films, like King Kong, Godzilla, things like that, it's a good foreign interpretation of that. Um, they awaken this mountain troll and the, the mountain troll again is like Kong Godzilla size. It's not like this little Tolkien troll type of thing and it's you know on a rampage throughout the countryside tearing things apart and they've got to they've got to stop it there's some dynamic between the this the main woman in the movie and her father because as she was a child her father used to tell her the legends of the mountain trolls and you know things like that and she always thought it was just a crazy man telling you know kid stories bedtime stories and then come to find out that this thing actually exists um it was just a fun little schlocky movie that i discovered this year this sounds really familiar, Pat. Didn't we cover this in the trailer park or something? Uh, we might have. Uh, it's a ne- it's on Netflix. You can catch it on Netflix. So it's it's definitely out there. But uh, yeah, not, you know, an international film definitely definitely something that's not on the the typical path for for what a an average view, moviegoer would go and check out. All right, so our category number two that we have for this week for the nerdies is our biggest surprise. Now, I wrote three things down here. I'm gonna I'm gonna only do one, and then I'll, I'll pull a Tony and do honorable mentions afterwards. And, and so, like, look at him; he's wagging his like, Oh, you! This is a Tony thing. I admitted. Um, I had a I had a hard time with this because I think I think two I think one of them somebody else may say, uh, or wouldn't surprise me if they say. But my biggest surprise that I put down uh, again this happened in the month of December, and that is that for two weeks. Uh, the country of Japan ruled the American box office uh, between the domestic premiere of Godzilla minus one, which didn't win the box office, by the way, I want to be very clear about that, but scored significantly higher in ticket sales than they ever anticipated. So much so that it extended the run not once, but twice because people wanted to see it so much. The demand was so much that they made and they and they didn't lose a ton of money from week one to week two. That was the other thing that was mind blowing is they went from eleven million dollars to uh, for the first week eight million or so the second weekend. Um, and I don't know what they did the third weekend, but it was it was this crazy legit phenomenon that people went out and saw in American movie theaters. And I don't think that Toho had any dream that that movie was going to make the money that it made. And you're going to hear from this movie later on in the nerdies, uh, probably in part two, 
as much as you're hearing about it in part one. You're going to hear about it from me at least one more time today. So it's it's just, it's been crazy. It's been amazing. And I love it. But you couple that within, so the first week of Godzilla making more money in an American domestic box office than any Japanese live action film had done in history in the United States, followed by uh, Miyazaki's Studio Ghibli's film, The Boy and the Heron, which I also went and saw, making upwards of $25 million, I want to say, at the American box office in its first week of release, winning the American box office that weekend and being the highest Japanese animated film in terms of money domestically in the United States to, to hit in history. It was, did it do better than Spirited Away? Because Spirited Away was a huge hit over here. Did it? It did. It, 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 was, it was the most successful Japanese animated film in the United States in history. Uh, probably on the strength of because it is a Miyazaki film, just like Spirited Away is. And Spirited Away is my favorite. And I, I, I like Spirited Away better than The Boy and the Heron. But um, they're already talking about now. And this is what's exciting for me and why I think this was it was such a surprise. I expected it to do well. I didn't expect it to do this well. And that it is creating a conversation among American cinemas and the idea of being able to release more international films domestically in an outlet that is accessible to a wider wider audience is very exciting and is nothing but good for not only this show, but American audiences across the world. It's huge. It's it's unbelievable. And it was my biggest surprise. You could I couldn't I you you would have I would have told you were insane if you would have told me that Japan would win the American box office two weeks in a row uh in December. And it's not until Wonka hit and, and Wonka did okay um, that that Japan sort of took a backseat and sort of faded a little. So um, next is PC, then DJ, then Dave. Um, I this is where I put Barbie. I think we we all knew it was going to hit. It's, it's mine as well, and, Tony. It, it, we all knew it was going to hit from from like a, a a pop culture state because we all came out and said, "Listen, this is something for all ages, and it's something that everybody recognizes." But we didn't think it was going to make some of the biggest money in in motion picture history. We didn't think that just the cast that it ended up having, we did not know ahead of time. We knew like the big names that were featured, but the amount of a list talent that was in this movie that wanted to be there. The post effects of it, like I think in California, they have like the actual Barbie dream house and all these Barbie things that you can see and go visit. What what else? And here's what else it is inspired. How many of these toys or iconic things from the past now have been greenlit to go ahead with the movie process because of Barbie? Right. A lot of nostalgia things, toys, etc. Yeah, Dave, it, it's it's where I decided to put specifically the movie Barbie. It's funny, um, without, hopefully I'm not stepping on, and Dave, I'll let you go in a second. Uh, I don't know what DJ has, and I also keep that in mystery. I had Barbenheimer, like that whole phenomenon. Was, I got that in a different two. part of the show today. So I, I yeah, I, I had Barbie here as well. And, and I think, you know, since, since, since the nerdies are kind of structured, Tony knows this because we've done it for nine years, structured af- after the swaggies quite a bit, you know. We generally frown upon honorable mentions for that, but if there's something you feel strongly about, mention it, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, here, um, I agree with Tony, like Barbie, we knew it was, I, I think like the progression of that, when we first watched the trailer for it and you fought, watch it in a vacuum, like, what the hell is this? Then you watch the trailer and you're like, you know, this looks pretty good. And then you watch the second trailer, it's like, this looks better than it has any right to be. And then- well, 
how many people are in these trailers as they keep going on? Like, right. oh, did you see this person's in right. it now too? But I mean, you know, they coined a new phrase, Barbie money, based on just how much money this movie pulled in. It was, um, yeah, like Tony, you're saying we knew it would make money, but not to that extent, not to that level that it's one of the highest grossing films ever. I, I mean, that's staggering when you think about it. And I agree with you. The cast is phenomenal. They delivered on all fronts. Um, but geez, it, it, yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere with uh, the amount of money that that thing made was just like, OK, I, I, I guess so. So. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, it greenlit a lot of other projects and a lot of other things and a lot of other properties that uh, they're going to be looking at, and and some of it will probably work, some of it won't. It'll be depending on the cast and that sort of thing. But yeah, nothing was a bigger surprise to me this year than just the amount of success that Barbie had. Absolutely. Go ahead, DJ. Your okay. biggest surprise of 2020. Uh, my, my biggest surprise, again, I'm flying way off the radar here, going with another foreign film, mainly because I haven't seen a whole lot in theaters. I have not seen Barbie, haven't seen Oppenheimer you know, haven't seen any of these films yet, so I can't comment on them. This was a Korean film that, again, was on Netflix called, and I hope I don't butcher the name, it's called Jung E. Um, it's a dystop- set in a dystopian future. Uh, this lady, she is a, a commando who turns into a mercenary basically to pay for her daughter's cancer treatment. And she goes on this mission. A mission fails poorly. She's left in a coma. Well, the company that hired her harvests her body, uses her brain to clone it, and they're constantly replaying her final mission to figure out what went wrong. Meanwhile, the daughter grows up. She becomes part of this um, company, and she's trying to help her mother, who, again, is still in a, a coma from all of this. And she, there's a conspiracy underlying everything that's going on. And it just it was a very well-crafted film. Again, I had no idea what I was getting into with it. I was, again, just flipping through, looking for something to watch. Um, very well crafted. I don't know what kind of money or budget they work on or work with in Korea, but the film looked great for whatever they had to work with. And side note, the woman that wrote and directed it, and again, I'm probably going to butcher her name, is uh, Yeon Sang-ho. She died uh, prior to the release of the movie, which I thought was tragic. Um, but yeah, just a, a solid little sleeper hit for me that, again, I, this one could have very easily fallen under my under the radar title as well cool i can see dj is going to challenge us to catch some he's taking, new he's taking over the aesop mitchell role of the <laughs> very much yeah. to say <clears throat> watch many, the obscure foreign films well you know <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't a 24 aesop didn't care that that was that was that was, that was our joke. that's true um all right so again because this is this you know this is the nerdies and it's you know whatever i say uh the other surprise that i had Dungeons and Dragons. That movie was far better than it had any right to be. Yep. Fact. And I mean, Fact. we we saw that from the for the first trailer. We were all on board with like how fun it was going to be. Uh, but that that movie did that well, and that people again bought into it when saw it, and it got reviewed so well, and is already spawning a sequel. That's that's crazy awesome. Have they greenlit a sequel for that? Because the last I heard, it was in the air. <clears throat> I can't imagine they wouldn't. Uh, the the one Dude, thing I was going to point out about that, and you're right about being that being a surprise, is like you said, we all thought it was going to be funny and good, but we didn't know how actual fans that play Dungeons and right. Dragons would react to it. And the surprise was that it was well made enough to the actual fans of the game enjoyed what they did with the movie. That was a big surprise. And yeah, and yet it was still accessible to people <clears throat> who didn't. And I sure, think right. that was a thing. It, it was a crossover success of a film. 
and like we've watched it multiple times since it's hit streaming. I'll so, tell you, like my my runner up here was nobody dying in Guardians of the Galaxy three. That was my, my runner up <laughs> big surprise. Word. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't know. yeah. We it, it's, it's it's funny ever since we created the Deadpool, like nobody dies. It's it's weird. We'll get there. I'm, I'm we're we're saving MCU lives, guys. That's that's what's happening. <laughs> there you go. It's us. All right. Moving on to our biggest disappointment of 2023. The order this time is PC, Tunny, followed by DJ, followed by Dave, followed by myself. Tunny, with that smirk of yours, who disappointed you in 2023? Uh, Some things are just so utterly disappointing that they don't even deserve mention. So my biggest disappointment for 2023 is the fact that the series Showtime, the LA Lakers dynasty was canceled by Max. And this was in, had already done its second season. Phenomenal actors in the, in the Magic Johnson, Pat Riley, Larry Bird, Kareem. Like they nailed this. They were telling such an amazing story. Everybody that's a basketball fan was watching this. I, I know a half dozen friends of mine that were, that were really loving it. Ray and I were very, very upset that this got canceled. Unfortunately, um, John C. Riley was in this as um, Jerry Buss, uh, among a, bu- a bunch of other great, great actors and actresses. So if you ever have a chance, just know it's only two seasons, but you can go back and, and watch this uh, on Max. And um, it's it's going to it's going to go into the lore for me of the series. Also from HBO uh, Rome which ran out of money and only filmed two seasons, which were excellent as well. So there you go, folks. If you liked watching series that have to come to a very quick, brief ending, uh, go watch Rome and, and uh, Showtime, the story of the LA Lakers. Interestingly enough, Rome is on why my watch list. I don't know why. Like, the, the, you like, like you was watched the viewership it, you? bad? I have no I, idea. I never got to like, and, I I, and maybe I contributed be, to that, but I thought they could have carried this on for a while because what they could have done is they could have done this until the end of the eighties and then have Jordan take over and do air Jordan. And then you can have the Lakers back again with Kobe and Shaq and into Kobe. And then after that, you can go into like Greg Popovich. Like you could have done the NBA for the next 40 years, starting where they did with magic Johnson's rookie season. I mean, the story they told with Dr. J and Larry Bird and intertwined all of this stuff in, like all these stars of the nineties were just about to come in. You could have the whole Jordan thing would have been amazing in the same light. They did yeah. this. It, it did surprise me when that show got came. Um, Very sad. All right, DJ. Disappointed, uh, disappointed you in 2023. Uh, Secret invasion. I, I have stood by Marvel for the longest time, even in some of the stuff that a lot of people just have crapped all over, I've defended it. I couldn't get past the third episode. I'll probably finish it just to say that I saw it all, but I absolutely disappointed in what they came out with with this. Was this yours too, Pat? Yes. Was it yours too? No, no, no. I mean, I was just going to say it started strong. You know, the first few episodes I thought were pretty good and then it just fizzled out. Second double nerdy of the night, by the way. It was, yeah, double nerdy. Here's the thing. I, I knew this was going to be tough. I knew this was going to be a tough sell for me because of how much I love the storyline from the comics. And I knew, like, I, I've long defended the MCU with their takes on Secret Invasion and, or I'm sorry, on the, like, source material. Like, Marvel does not follow 
the comics verbatim. They just don't. They they kind of keep with the spirit of characters. They keep with the idea of stories. Uh, you know, even um, like we're watching What If right now, uh, or most of us are, are checking out What If, and their latest episode uh, or one of the most recent episodes that they just dropped was 1602. And uh, what if the Avengers assembled in 1602? For those of you who don't know, 1602 is a run of comics that was written by Neil Gaiman where um, Steve Rogers finds himself lost in time and ends up in 1602. And the arrival of Steve Rogers in 1602 then brings about the evolution of superheroes, you know, 500 years too early or 400 years too early, whatever it is. And, and so, and, and the world sort of dealing with that ramification 1602 in this what if series nothing to really do with that other than the arrival of steve rogers is what fucks everything up and so even even that they they nodded to the source material with steve rogers being the guy now again it has its own what if spin to it and it's it's different in its own way secret invasion the the only thing that's connective tissue at all is that there's there there's scrolls that are bad that are like Info like posing uh, as important figures, but like the story of why and how and what they did, it just it got so lost and muddled in whatever it was that they were trying to do. Like this, it went, it didn't, it it didn't make sense. It didn't flow. You killed off one of the best character, two of the best characters in the MCU. I would say rather unceremoniously, and Maria Hill and Talos, like eh, all all to create the Super Scroll. At the end, who are they really? The Super Scroll? Where did they go? Amelia Clark is like this ridiculously OP character that's just out there now, and we don't know what the deal is. Um, how did, they took what could have been a compelling story and and just they they airballed it, in my opinion, yeah. and it, it landed flat and was just bad. I did not like it. No, sir. And, uh, Patrick like, O'Dell just finished the story for me, so I don't even need to finish the season. No, you don't. I mean, no, you, you should, don't. You should, but you don't. <laughs> you don't at all. Um, but yeah, like it just and like we thought, okay, this is going to tie directly into the Marvels. It didn't. Um, you know, it just it just went nowhere. I mean, maybe it'll come around full circle, but like you're saying, the source material. It's one of the most iconic and epic stories in Marvel Comics history, and the series just. It's like, why did you guys go down this path? What was the point of any of this stuff? I mean, why why couldn't you just leave it well enough alone? I I, I agree with you guys. It just it just didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense to me. And, and this has been you know, I almost put for my disappointment, I almost didn't hone in on Secret Invasion. I almost said the MCU. It's been a disappointing year for the MCU. Uh and in and in a lot of ways, whether it's the you know, the um Sorry, the Jonathan Major scandal, whether it's the poorly reviewed shows, whether it's review bombing, whether it's not great movies, the cracks have really shown in the foundation as much as I'm loath to admit it and, and still enjoy the product for the most part that's been put out. But I also would say that none of this stuff that came out this year was what I would describe as imminently rewatchable outside of Guardian. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was kind of it. For, for Marvel and we talked about this a couple weeks ago on our regular show they probably need a break from content more than anybody and this might have this this writer strike and actor strike might have been one of the best things for because it, you know maybe we get some recalibration here and maybe it starts with Deadpool so 
Dave, I'm sorry. I, I stepped on your moment. You, um, you're going to, you're going to tell us your biggest disappointment and then we are going to head into our second commercial break. So I will see your MCU and raise you with the flash. There was nothing more disappointing this year than the fucking flash. I, and, and I mean, from, we knew it was going to be problematic with Ezra Miller. I, I'm not talking about that. That was always going to be an issue, but there was so much speculation about this movie and about what they might do. Is this how they're going to reset the universe? Is this going to be flashpoint paradox? Is this how they're going to set things right? Even if Ezra is a train wreck, you know, it, you know, you got Michael Keaton in here, you got Supergirl, we got Zod, we got all this stuff and it just was an absolute shit show in, in every respect. They didn't do anything. They didn't push any storyline forward. It was inconsequential. And it was at this moment that I realized that nothing matters that is co- that is tied to the DC DCEU. And that continues through Aquaman too, which I saw as well. And it just, nothing matters. And I think it, it just, this movie had so much potential. It was in development for so long. There were so many things that they could have done with it that they just didn't. And I know when we reviewed it, the disappointment that I had that PC Tunney had was palpable, even through the airwaves. You could just tell how upset we were and disappointed in this movie we were. And it just, as bad as the MCU was this year, it, it, it can't hold a candle to the train wreck that was the end of the DCEU here in 2023. And the Flash is, that is the apex of the bullshit. The, the synopsis for the tip of the sour sword was the bastardization of one of the greatest comic book storylines in history of comic books, whether it be Marvel or DC to not show bias either way or even to the character. That was the worst thing. Cause there were some cool things. Michael Keaton yes. was excellent. Yes. You did get uh three different Batman, which like it or not was kind of cool. That at the end, it was George Clooney was very good. She was awesome. Oh my, she was, you she know, was incredible. It's, the swaggies are coming up and none, none other better promotion for that than dead ass right there. Sasha <laughs> Kelly. So <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, uh, it's just too bad. It really is. It was kind of clever the way he fixed the story at the end, but to not have the entire, um, I mean, like you left everything out outside of flash really for the most part, like, uh, Aquaman and wonder woman are supposed to like terrorize and destroy most of Western Europe, uh, during this. And there's no mention of anything else going on that's being changed, but no. Yeah, I agree, Dave. I just and we missed a huge opportunity to have Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne. We did huge and missed I mean, opportunity. Like, like the last episode that we did of one of the last episodes of Bandwagon Nerds, where we talked gun talking about cameo porn and how that was a problem. And this is a big example of that because you've got like Tony Sand. We had the opportunity to bring Aquaman and Wonder Woman into this movie and make this flashpoint, but instead you were more concerned with having Wonder Woman do meaningless cameos in Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods and Aquaman <clears throat> showing up in like Peacemaker and, and shit like that. And it didn't matter. Oh, Aquaman's in this movie, Dave. Don't you remember the last yeah. three minutes where he's drunk in a fucking puddle? That's I right. mean, That's seriously. Right. That's right. You're right. Well, that has to be the you guys worst post-credit scene out. in history. You guys are leaving out the, the biggest example of cameo porn in that movie. And that's the climax when they're showing the Nicolas Cage Superman. They're showing 
Adam West well, Batman. I think that There's, was more yeah, of a goodbye to no, the DCU, no. Patrick. That is, that is, that was no, a goodbye none to the DCU, shit, as you know. None it. of that shit was, no, none of that shit was DCU oh, until it was decided is, to put, no, it was. This is not arbitrary, Wait. Patrick. This is Marvel, Patrick. Go ahead, Marvel, Patrick. No, this is Patrick, Patrick, because you're telling me, you're telling me. I haven't that, told you anything. Because I don't, I don't like it in, um, in the way that it can be used in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm iffy about it with Spider-Man. Like, the way it's been done has been stupid. But to say, quote-unquote, goodbye, you had to show Adam West Batman. You had to show, you know, Christopher Reeve and Helen Slater as Superman and Supergirl. You had to show um, fucking Nicolas Cage and his spider. Like, you didn't need to do any of that. George Reeves, you didn't need to do any of that. That's not saying goodbye to the DCU. That's that's a jerk off pat on the back to shit that they didn't make, folks. This the is end. why you good just, shit that they no, didn't make, no less. No, no, folks. This is why right. you don't click buy on the uh, forty dollar Amazon gift card with COVID for a for a gift. This is why. Right here. <laughs> I, I don't know what you want me to say, bro. Uh, like, like I'm just saying, like that's that to me. That was the ultimate, like, because all that moment was. Honestly, in a, in a dumpster fire of a movie, was an opportunity for people through their retainers to be like, "Oh my gosh, Nicholas Cage! He was supposed to be in a Superman movie. Now we get to see it." Like, you know what's great about this rant? He is ranting about the DCEU, and I'm not the one that set him off. PC Tunney's the one that triggered him. I'm not even mad. It's just like to start saying that this is the DCEU because they shoehorned a bunch of shit in. Like, get the fuck out of town. I'm just anyway. I'm just glad that. In synopsis, you're right. It was a very nice goodbye. I'm glad Retainer Boy shows up here at the beginning of the year. That's all I care about. Oh, yeah. Retainer Boy never leaves. In style. Are you staring at my headgear? He's got a friend. It's fine if you do. All right. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to continue to tell Tony why he's wrong about everything as we regale everything that was. In the year 2023, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds, the Nerdies Part 1, here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Nerdies, part of the Bandwagon Nerds Year in Review 2023. I am joined by TJ, David Ungar, PC Tunney, fighting over the DCU, saying goodbye to things. We got four categories left for this week's edition. It's been a happy new year for me, um, as it is, because I've already kicked it off by proving how wrong Tunney is. So that's that's always fun. That happened Um, last year. Happens every year. It'll happen this year, next year, and every year. You're welcome. Thank you. Our next category. Oh, by the way, um, if you enjoy hearing us fight, you know, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair short. Chair shot. Just good. Yes, chair, chair, shorts? chair shorts? Chair shorts? Chair shorts. Oh, shit. oh dude. We, we need, need shorts. 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 Bandwagon chair. nerd shorts. Chair shorts. The chair shorts. Nerdies right across the front. Uh, uh, I want it on the ass. Nerdy's no nerdy's on the front bandwagon on the back. <laughs> Juicy. All right. Our next category breakout star of 2023. 
this is going to be interesting. Let's see how deep into the well we went, how out of the way obscure did we find. Who is going to be our breakout stars? We start this time with DJ, Dave, myself, and PC Tony will tell us his last breakout. So DJ, what unknown international actor are you regaling us with today? Uh, probably none. And I really, this one was a tough one for me because like I said, I haven't watched a whole lot of newer stuff. I went with Haley Steinfeld. Um, I think she's, you know, one, she's adorable. Two, she's been great in everything I've seen her in. And with, I guess from a lack of options and me not really thinking too much into it, she's the only one that came to mind. That's fair. She was great in uh, Cross the Spider-Verse reprising her role as Gwen Stacy. Yes. We saw her briefly in the Hawkeye uh, special, though I think that came out in 2022. But she was in the Marvels in the um, in the uh, post credit scene with Amon Milani, who was my pick last year for a breakout I, star, which, by the way, she's a treasure. I think she was a triple but, nerdy winner last year, uh, by the way, Patrick. Amon Milani? Yes, yeah, I, I think so. Her, and I think Dave might have, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we keep waiting. She's one of those that like she's she's an own name, but she's not quite been the head, you know, been kind of the head of the table, the, the headliner yet. So I, I think she qualifies. Dave, Tony, there's no disagreement there, right? No, nope. no, no. Cool. All right, Dave, why don't you move and tell us your <laughs> breakout star? You're like this uh, because you mentioned Iman Vellani, and I know she appeared in the in Miss Marvel last year, uh, but. I thought she gets my vote this year because of her role in the Marvels. And I think like she went from being just kind of somebody on the, uh, on the, you know, in the MCU on, on Disney plus with Miss Marvel and her portrayal of there to just completely dominating an otherwise. And I know we all think the Marvels was better than I think anybody else did or anybody reviewed it, but that could have been a nod for underrated in my opinion. I thought that was one of the funnest movies I had seen superhero wise in a long time. you know, I don't know. I had my issues with it, but she's not one of them. And and I don't I don't think I gave her the award last year simply because I didn't appreciate that show enough. But this performance that she did this year, where she went from just kind of being known amongst like our crowd to kind of exploding on the scene this year and and, and getting much more wider recognition and and her performance in that movie, just from where she started off as, you know, starstruck fangirl to fucking leader of the new Avengers, basically by the end of it. Um, I think she really broke through in a lot of different ways. I know this is maybe it's cheating a little bit because she kind of broke on last year and you guys gave her the award last year. And I just think I slept on her, but not this year. I, I did not sleep on her this year. And I, I really grew to appreciate what she did this year and just her, her range of talent that I, I really think I kind of underestimated a year ago. Get it out. Not for so public consumption. It's not for no, d- d- definitely not. <laughs> Do not. I could, I could literally hear the gears turning in the two of you chuckleheads uh, <laughs> as Dave was speaking. So Giggity. clearly, shameful. What did I do? Shameful. You know what you did. Tony and I are bored right now. You've been, you've been hanging out with well, PC Tony, haven't you? <laughs> here, here's, the, here's the thing. It's so, it's so tough, um, Dave. It's, it's too bad you don't like cats. Like that's, that's basically what I've decided is that you, you just had big problems with the flurkin and the song from the musical Cat. No, I'm just teasing you. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think the Marvels was a very, very good superhero movie that fell victim to a multitude of problems, uh, many of which we don't need to talk about. Imad Vellani is going to be a fucking superstar. The thing that you didn't talk about, Dave, that I'm surprised you didn't mention, she's also writing comics for Marvel 
for the Miss Marvel title. Like she is really Marvel and Dave Feige. They know they have something special with her. Um, I just hope that they, they don't fuck it up like an overexposure. Like that's my that's my concern right. is overexposure of a character because then that turns love into hate and we don't want we don't want that. I agree. So, all right, off to me and my breakout star. I'm going to butcher this young woman's name, um, but she had a hell of a 2023. Uh, her name is Ayo Itabiri. Uh, she is probably so. Here's here's how I know of her and where she really first caught my <clears throat> attention. She is the voice of April O'Neil in the TMNT um, Mutant Mayhem animated film. She also is a uh, main cast member in the TV series The Bear, Sydney Adamu. Or I don't I don't know if anybody's seen The Bear. It's a great show. You should check it out. Um, Tony, so do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, you don't like her at all, I see. No, our our stars are very adjacent, so please tread lightly. Uh, she's also the voice of Glory from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um and she was one of two people I thought of for this distinction. But the reason I went with with Ayo instead of the other person that I thought of was because they have been very, very like their careers really started to take off. They've also they're also uh, in the in the show Bottoms uh, playing the character Josie, uh, which is another great uh, show that people should check out if they have time. Um She's done stints in Abbott Elementary. She was part of History of the World Part Two. Uh, she did an episode of Black Mirror. She's really, really picking and, and she's also a regular uh, ca- uh, voice cast member in the TV show Big Mouth. And so she's on the up and up. Her per- her portrayal of April O'Neil is is delightful. That was another. Um, that's another uh, film that if you guys haven't checked out and and you know ignored, I, I really would consider watching it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. A lot, a lot of fun. Rewatched it today with a little O'Dowd uh, all, along with uh, a couple of other films. So it's on Paramount Plus of all streaming services to check out. So I'm um, part of that Nickelodeon family that you get over there. Nice. There you go. All right. So I hope I didn't go too adjacent. No, no, you're fine. You're good. I just didn't want you to get into the bear too much because <laughs> my, no, I didn't, I... my breakout star, I wouldn't want to sell him short. Uh, it's Jeremy Allen White, who is, you would probably know him firstly as Lip from Shameless for all those years. Now he is the main character in a series uh, called The Bear, uh, which is about uh, him being a cook and, and, and having a restaurant. But more so in solidifying his, his uh, you know, popularity as a lead person in a streaming or TV series, which we knew he could do. He also stars as Carrie Von Eric in The Iron Claw, uh, a gigantic uh, major feature motion picture film. So I feel like it's appropriate for him to get the breakout star of, of the year. I've always been a big fan of Jeremy Allen White. Very cool. Yeah, I'm very I, I will say this. I haven't watched The Bear yet. It's good. It is on the list of stuff to watch. I hear. Yeah, it's reviewed very, very well. Uh, I am very interested in seeing it and, and hope to be able to check it out uh, sooner rather than later. Uh but excellent. All right. That moves us into best moment and we are back to the top of the order. So it should be Dave followed by myself, PC Tony and DJ wrapping us up this round and a moment literally could be just about anything real or imagined. So Dave, I'm interested to hear 
what your moment was. Well, hell, if it's imagined, then I've got a lot of great moments this year. But uh, no, uh, as far as like <laughs> Tony, the, the look on his face, <laughs> um, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the year for my best moment of the year. And this is because as much as I shit on DC earlier with The Flash, this gave me hope. James Gunn announcing a true DC continuity at the very beginning of the year and laying out for us how he was going to do this. Um, to me, that was the biggest moment of the, of the, the, my, not the biggest moment. That would be something different. My best moment of the year was like as a DC fan to hear him tell me, here's what we're going to do. Here's my vision. Here's the movies. We're going to introduce some new stuff. We're going to go and do some old stuff. Um, and here's how I want to approach it. It was refreshing to me after years of begging you know, the DCEU, Zack Snyder, everybody involved, and Zack Snyder, you know, love him or hate him. He had the right idea as to where he wanted to go. It just went off the rails for a variety of reasons. Um, but gun to, and then, you know, DC got away from that, said, oh, none of this shit is connected. We're just going to make a bunch of standalone movies. And then they thought, well, maybe we should connect it. But by then it was too late. So gun coming out right off the bat and saying, we're going to connect all this stuff. And anything that's not connected is over here in this little corner of the wall over here. But here's what we're going to do. I thought for the future of DC, that was probably the biggest moment for them of the year easily. And for me, it's my best moment because as, as a DC fan like Tony and I are, okay, this at least gives me some hope. So for me, whether he pulls it off or not, we'll see. But I thought that was uh, my best moment of the year. I, I, um, I love to hate Zack Snyder. Does I, that count? I know we know you do. We know you do, Pat. <clears throat> Anyway, I just, I, had to, I don't know why I needed to say that, but I felt like I needed to say it. Well, so. it's kind of like, Dave. it's like, do you want to tell us your thoughts on Rise of Skywalker as well while we're at it? Dave, Dave can't wait. And so far, everything that we've heard and has been confirmed sounds like it's going to be solid. They've got some good casting. You know, I mean, that yep. first, that first trailer for Superman Legacy is going to be anticipated, I would have to say. Whether you, even the people who hate this whole thing and wish Henry Cavill would come back. It's going to be highly anticipated. You are not wrong. It happens once right. every year. Sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Um, time to get to my moment. My moment came in a film. My moment uh, was watching Godzilla minus one. And it's when Godzilla fires up and breathes for the first time in that movie and wipes out half a city with the way that they build the, the anticipation of that moment. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it's just the best I've ever seen them do Godzilla blasting something with his breath as his tail literally charges up and the spikes on his back, the spines like start to protrude and they start to glow with this bigger and bigger intensity. And then there's just this perfect like silent pause and then it happens. And then they accompany it with the old Godzilla music as he's walking on land and, and for those of you who don't know it, like I, I, I don't want to ruin it by trying to sing it because my voice is a wreck right now. But you know the Godzilla song when you hear it. It's awesome. That moment was so huge. My kid walking out of the theater was singing the song and talking about the, 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 the fire breath. Like, it's amazing. It's everything I want. And, and I've talked about Godzilla Minus One ad nauseum on the Bandwagon Nerds Airwaves. So this should come as no surprise to anybody that I, I would, you know, continue to go on and on about this particular film in this moment. But that was the, I, 
haven't fangirled that hard it, since Endgame, since Portals, like since Portals. But like I was, I was nuts for it. I was I in the palm of my hand, and it crushes me. And yet excites me that Toho was like, "We're we're gonna take our time with the sequel because we want to get it right." Best answer ever. Yet worst answer ever because I want it tomorrow. If I could to jump in here, um, <clears throat> I love this call, and and I think you know, like my wife's been watching religiously Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Apple, and I love comparing it, and that's a great show too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I love comparing the Godzilla in that and, and the movies that came before that to Godzilla minus one, especially this atomic breath, because the Godzilla in those his his, you know, his scales light up as well and that sort of thing. But the effect of the atomic breath from Godzilla minus one to this other one is night and day. You know, when he blows that breath in, in Godzilla minus one, it is a true nuclear fucking explosion. You know, it may be a smart bomb or, or an isolated, a dirty nuke sort of effect but it is wide and vast and it's like a mushroom cloud it is a mushroom cloud and when you watch him and all the other stuff the monarch things it's very isolated focused on an enemy and and it's and it's devastating yes but it's not city leveling like it is in this movie so i think that they have nobody's portrayed that effect better than godzilla minus one so i i love the call pat thank you go watch godzilla minus one please Everybody, I'm feeling you're going to hear more. Young, big, Tony, I'm feeling you're going to hear more about it as nerdies go on. Tony, what's your uh, what's your moment? What's your best you know, moment of the year? Fuck you, Ray Cash, for not showing up. up. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Ray Cash, for not showing up today. That's your moment of the year, Ray, not showing up. Uh, no, my moment of the year is a weekend. My disappointment of the year. My my moment of the year is a weekend, and it's a weekend that America went back to the box office and. Barbenheimer is my moment of the year. It's like in the top five for dual features, fourth, like highest grossing opening weekend of all time uh, between the two of them, you know, for, for just a weekend at the movies and the numbers they did, the phenomenon it started, the, the Barbenheimer uh, as a, as a, you know, a vocabulary term for, for the year 2023 is just something. And, if you think about it overall, it's something that's a real good feeling uh, when we look back of being in the middle of the pandemic and wondering what it's going to look like when things get back to normal and will things such as going to the movies survive. And Barbenheimer proved that, yes, it will. No matter what happens, no matter what new technology comes along that you can stay at home and consume all of this people are still going to want to go out and congregate and, and get together and do things. And watching movies is still one of them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. The phenomenon that, that, that that those two movies created. Uh, I still, I still uh, remember taking my son to see the haunted mansion, the, the weekend after Barbenheimer debuted in theaters. And he was like, why is everybody wearing pink? What's going on? And, you know, explaining to him that people are very, very excited about these two movies, you know, and obviously the outward part of Barbie wearing pink or the, the bar, the Barbie part of wearing pink, but he, uh, he had trouble wrapping his brain around that. Cause he was like, but there's a haunted mansion movie. <laughs> I was like, sorry, dude, <laughs> the world does not agree with you in this case. Uh, and it was amazing. It was terrific. And it was something I think theaters desperately need. I really do. I really think that that was something that was huge. So excellent choice, uh, Tony. Very, very well thought out. DJ, 
What was your moment of 2023? Uh, my runner-up was definitely the the Barbenheimer phenomenon um, and the the discussions that it spawned, uh, the just everything that went around that. But my biggest moment of the year was saying goodbye to the Guardians of the Galaxy as we know it. And <clears throat> I remember when the first Guardians of the Galaxy was announced, um, I remember taking a shit on it mainly because I'm like, okay, it's a talking raccoon and a talking tree. How well is this going to do? And then James Gunn created something memorable and timeless and fun. And the Guardians of the Galaxy went from being something that I took shit on to something that was probably my favorite part of the MCU. And to, to say goodbye to those guys was a little hard, but I think he wrapped it up in such a spectacular way. Again, we had some of those folks on the Deadpool. You know, we were okay. I don't. I don't think uh, Star Lord's going to make it out alive. I was uh, Drax was at the top of my Deadpool list. Like I really thought they were going to kill off Drax, and they didn't do that. And I, I just thought the way that it ended, the way that they sent everybody off into the sunset, was amazing. And that was my personal pick for moment of the year. I'll just say this uh, to go along with DJ that uh, in part two of the Nerdies, this movie will win an award from me. Okay. Okay. I, um spoiler alert yeah I, and i i love the call dj and, and it is it's it was like gun's love letter to the mcu as he yes. as he left and goes and ta- tackles you know my moment of the year so it kind of works in sync here dj you we both had james gunn involved um well, he could have phoned it in and he didn't no he that's he, the beauty of he it. he left he couldn't he couldn't have though he couldn't on a personal level have phoned that in because and, was, exactly that was, that's my point would have looked yeah, yeah, I got. You. I mean, from a professional, his dedication to that, and he's a professional. Well, yeah. Hold on, and also consider how hard the cast fought to get him back. Remember, he was fired, right, and then brought back because Marvel was hasty and stupid and held him accountable for something he'd already apologized for years ago. Uh, and it took his; they, they literally almost lost their entire cast. Dave Batista was very clear he was not coming back if James Gunn was not back. Right. Uh, he was the most vocal about it. So he was not go- he was not going to do that to that cast after they did that for him either. No way. He um, yeah, he honored the franchise in, in the best way possible and delivered easily. You know, I know Tony's talking about ne- next week's show uh, easily the best Marvel film of the year. And it's not close. I mean, uh, I, I disagree, but that's OK. That there's a better Marvel film or that there's something close. That there's a better Marvel film. What was better? Just curious. Oh, in our next category, best animated work, Patrick goes first, followed by PC, <laughs> followed by DJ, then Dave. My best animated work, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, was the best fucking Marvel movie that hit well, theaters this year. I, I mean, I was talking MCU Thank movie. Well, well, they're in the MCU. It fucking literally had Donald Glover's Prowler, part of the MCU. Do you He's see there. the fake? He's there. Do you, do you see the do you see the kayfabe anger that PC Tunney invokes as opposed to the real anger that DJ and Dave invoke? Patrick and I are playing a game. You I'm guys, not, I'm not actually angry. You you guys just torture Patrick. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah, Look at the reaction I get out of him. It's I'm great radio, pissed. pal. I'm not pissed. I just love how that segue. Dave's like, what could possibly be? I almost think we planned hey, that. What sorcery is this? I don't. Real quick, did anybody else have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as their top animated film? I do. All right, so DJ did as well. So or animated work because it could be a series as well. And I don't know if people that 
uh, far and away for, and I really, I went back and forth between two, two films and I just, I, I re I literally rewatched it today. Uh, this is one of the other films that I, I that I watched with little O'Dowd. Um, and there's a couple of things that I kind of go back to when I, when I look at like what, uh, makes uh, a movie truly great. And that is if there is a movie that will hold an 11 year old's attention for damn near three hours on repeated viewings, that's, that's filmmaking. Like that, that's a great film. Uh, they did Sony did something. Sony animation. Let's, let's, let's be clear. Sony animation did something that I didn't think was possible. And that was, is that they, in my opinion, met, if not exceeded the film that, that it was a sequel to and completely flipped the script on so many great things like their concept of a multiverse and the way that they work a multiverse has been, in my opinion, it's been spot on and brilliant. The idea that miles shares DNA with a different universe because he got a bit by a spider from that universe. And so he shares DNA with that spider to then be brought in and leave with this cliffhanger that literally made my son go, they're ending it. There is amazing. That they made Gwen, Spider Gwen, really the focal book ending narrator of the story instead of Miles was a stroke of genius. And to encapsulate it all in this, you know, swirl of emotion that is Miles Morales as a teenager wanting to, you know, you know, and kind of challenging the Spider-Man mythos of like keeping everything a secret from those you love, that there's these certain events that have to happen in order for you to be Spider-Man. And Miles being the one to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. This is not going to be what happens to me. This is not going to be our fate. And then you tie it all in with Jason Schwartzman as arguably both the most ridiculous and terrifying villain that you could throw out there. Like if you told me that I'd be terrified of the spot, of the spot at the end of Across the Spider-Verse, I would have told you you're nuts. Then I watched the movie. Then I watched the movie again, and it was easily my favorite Marvel film of of 2023. And, and to me, honestly, frankly, it you know it was between that and Guardians, and, and I felt like Across the Spider-Verse was, was slightly better. It did it for me in a way that Guardians didn't quite. So that's my top animated film uh, and animated work of of 2023 tony what you got buddy no great call um and i know that it says a lot because you're a huge spider-man guy right and you're not just going to give your approval or glowing praise on anything you, you're going to want it to no, be because i, I will shit on shitty spider-man no, no and i'm just saying that means a lot it, it means more coming from like you especially like on the opposite when dave and i talk bad about you know something so dc so um my best animated work was uh, it's a me Mario. It, it it's Super Mario Brothers. The the amount of money it made, the fact that it delivered from a standpoint standpoint of of being very good. It wasn't excellent. It 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 played to the kids more. It it got over with with the crowd it needed to to make the amount of money it needed. It was not for uh young millennials and older gen xers who played the video game in the 80s that's not who this was for yet at the same time as being one of those people i also enjoyed what they did with it the cast they had was wonderful uh, i thought jack black was phenomenal so i i throw it out there for super mario brothers just the fact that this is another thing 
in a line of video game movies that is just inspiring more titles to come out and, and really a genre that I think is going to deliver over the next decade, especially as we turn to more live action video game um, movies and things of that nature. But Super Mario Brothers, just the the sheer nature of its dominance of, of money wise globally, I think one point three billion dollars. Yeah, it was it was huge, huge, huge. Who would have thought, by the way, that a song that just repeated the word peaches over and over and over again for peaches, damn near thirty seconds peaches, peaches. would top downloads for a few weeks? Like that was nuts. But Jack Black, yeah, I can't argue that it was thoroughly entertaining. Jack Black is a, a renaissance man and underrated uh, for his time. Uh, for me, <laughs> largely because I I knew you know Pat, I had a sub- suspicion. You were going to go with Spider-Verse or Blue-Eyed Samurai for an animated work. Um, I, this is totally recent and big-time recency bias, but it's What If Season 2. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed these episodes so far. And I, and I think, like, you know, like, Tony, you talked about the Grandmaster one with, uh, with Tony's Episode 4, which was just so much fun. And it's just, it's a very different feel from Season 1, some of the stuff that they're doing, and it's more... You know, it's more of these sub characters that you don't normally think about mixed in with the main line guys. But um, yeah, not everything that the MCU did this year was was subpar. And I think what if season two and I still got a couple episodes to finish because they haven't released them all, of course. But I have thoroughly enjoyed what if season two. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. They you know do some things like like Pat, you're talking earlier with the 1602 that doesn't follow storyline completely, but just like everything else that the MCU's done for a decade, you know, or more, um, they take elements of the story that we know and love and they put their own twist on it. So I've greatly enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends up. And if, if you believe Ray's post earlier today, we've already got a season three greenlit. So, yeah, I, um, uh, I've absolutely enjoyed what if, uh, I've, I've found the episodes to be a lot of fun. I love the, uh, I actually love that we were introduced to a new character that I think we will see, transition into the live action realm um and i'm, I'm trying to make sure it was a cory or kahori or something is like kahari yeah she's a um native american character that um you know her along with echo a couple of couple of big steps uh in in getting some some new blood and some new representation um as part of the mcu as well I, and so i'm i'm very much interested in how this all resolves, this one seems to be very much focused on uh, Captain Britain, uh, which Haley Atwell, by the way, who would have thought that Peggy Carter out of Captain America, the first Avenger would be going as strong as she is almost kind of like mythic legendary to the point where I think it's only a matter of time before she pops up in the MCU proper in some way, shape or form, because that Captain Britain character is very, very popular. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I and I think and I think a lot of people were pissed, myself included, of how she was done a little dirty in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. A lot of them were done kind of dirty in that movie. I'm on that list. <laughs> yes, I was not happy. Plus, it was, it was, a, it was Haley Atwell. Yeah, she I mean, well, she's a phenomenal actress. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lovely lady, lovely her. lady. Yes, I understand where you're going there. <laughs> This does bring us, though, gentlemen, to our final category of part one. That is best streaming service. This should be interesting this year. I'm not sure what people will have their criteria based upon. It's always um, it's always interesting to see where this goes. 
the order for this final category will be PC Tunney followed by DJ, Dave, and then myself going last. And so, Mr. Tunney, it is to you. What was your best streaming service in 2023? I This is the one I kind of thought about all day, and I didn't know what I was going to pick and, until I, I just really said to myself, if I could only have one of them, honestly, which one would it be? And I think it would be Peacock. I think Peacock has done a great job of getting a lot of new movie content on there. They have their own exclusive streaming series like Poker Face. They also have all of the NBC stuff. So I can watch Saturday Night Live the next morning without commercials. In addition, their footprint in the sports world has grown. Uh, not only from college athletics to the NFL, they also have like Tour de France, the Olympics. Obviously, they've had Premier League soccer for a long time, all things that I'm interested in. And they're looking to expand that even more so on the golf side. Uh, and then let's not forget WWE Network lives there as well. So not only do you get everything NBC uh, and, and a lot of great movies, but they're also stepping up their game as far as sports and original content. Plus, you got all the old stuff like Patrick's watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now. Nine-Nine. Oh, sorry. You know, you can't go wrong with the cop. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you guys heard that, but my kids just yelled 99 in the back. Nice. to him. You can't there. go you can't go wrong with the cock, guys. The LOD so, gets a the LOD gets a doubt on the uh, ding on the nerdies. Well, don't, don't tell him I said that last part. He doesn't need to hear that. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can just see the conversation now. Patrick, where's our son? Ah, I think he just jumped on the cock over there. What, what, what? DJ, what was your, DJ? What was your uh, top streaming service of 2023? Uh, much like Tony, I had a hard time figuring this one out, and the only criteria that I had was which one do I watch the most? And because of WWE stuff, probably the Peacock. If I were saying anything other than WWE, I'd probably be Netflix because I think I probably spend the most amount of time on there. But for sheer volume, Peacock. Peacock is tonight's fourth double nerdy winner. That ties an overall record from 2021. Didn't you? Wouldn't that be awesome if we had like the announcer person behind there? Like this is. This oh, is, would be. We need Chris Platt to do that. Fourth nomination, Chris first Platt win. To do that. Uh, we need we need Kriva to do it. We need Amber to do it. Got to be a Somebody female voice. Anyway. Um, not me. So is it me or you, Pat? It's you. I'm last. This is a tough one. I I mean, yeah. As far as like what I watch most. I would have to agree with the guys. It's probably Peacock because of the WWE stuff. Um, but as far as like this show and what's most central to this show, I'm still giving it to Disney Plus because, you know, you've got the MCU. Uh, you know, we had what, you know, for all of its faults, you had Secret Invasion. You had What If. Um, I forget. Well, oh, Loki season two, of course, was this year. You have on the uh, Star Wars side, Ahsoka. Let's not forget about that one. That was a huge show. Um, and it just, it just, you know, you had the stuff about the Beatles. It's just very central to the things that we love. You've got the two universes that we are involved with a lot of the time, the MCU and Star Wars still residing there. And I, I think, you know, if it wasn't going to be that or Peacock, you know, Prime almost got my vote here just because there's been some really good stuff on Prime as well. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say just like my go-to, the thing that I go to when I'm looking for nerdy stuff, I tend to gravitate towards Disney Plus still more than anything else. Wow. All right. This might come as a surprise, fellas. Apple. Nope. Max. 
Max okay. is my streaming service of the year, and I'll tell you why. Max, we talk about under the radar shows. Max gave me Warrior. Max gave me um, Doom Patrol. We got the end of Doom Patrol. Max gives me Turner Classic movies. Max is where I go uh, at the end of the day now when I'm looking for something to watch. Max has such documentaries have become a big thing that I watch. And Max is putting out some really, really, really good documentaries these days. And it's just, it becomes kind of what, you know, kind of what you guys are talking about when I'm looking for something to watch. And it's just me. I'm going to Max. And I wouldn't have told you that last year. Last year, I think I went Disney Plus. Um, but it's it's Max. I've even gone back and started trying to catch up on some of that DC animation you guys want me to catch up on. That is a like, great place. That's there. Tiny Toons Luniversity. Believe it or not, Tiny wow. Toons Luniversity, their little animated series, their remake of Tiny Toon Adventures. Great stuff. Fun to watch. They're, they're tiny. They're toony. They're all little loony, right? And in they this very much they're are. invading your TV. There's a uh, they they put in a documentary about David Bowie, Moon Age Daydream, nice. fucking awesome. Uh, Gremlins, Secret of the Mogwai. Do you want to go did, back into the day of? Did you hear there uh, may be a Gremlins four in the works? Yeah, I, I've heard that as well. Okay, uh, I just it came up, so I thought I'd just throw it out there. Uh, Sounds like the, it looks I like it looks like to me the dog smelled it and quickly backed away and said I'm not really interested in it this time. I'm I'm not I'm nervous about it. How's that? Because I enjoyed the new batch. I really did. Um, where do you I want just, this I to land? Where do you want this to land on the timeline of Gremlins? I mean, could this be a pre pre prequel? Could this be in between? Could this be the latest time? I mean, where where do you want this to land? I, in that I, I would I would probably go full sequel. If I were to do it, um, that that would just be me. We'll have to see a couple other shows that are that are worth its salt that are worth checking out on Max that um, we've talked about before. Our flag means death. Uh, Taika Waititi's uh, series, and then you heard me talking about um, Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki films. Uh, Max still has a Studio Ghibli hub where you can basically watch every Studio Ghibli film ever made in either Japanese or in an English dub. So great, great stuff over there at HBO Max. And it is my um, streaming service of the year. They probably do the best so. job of dividing their content into genres, like respectively. Like you get, you know, you can scroll down their list without getting into anything and know exactly what you're looking it's for. It's an easy navigation. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. Max is home to a show that you're going to hear a lot about from me next week. So I'm not going to give it away yet. Oh, so no spoilers there, which does beg the question, you know, does remind everybody this is it for our first half of the nerdies. We will be coming back next week for part two, the conclusion, where we will start to highlight some actors, some actresses, best movies, best series. We start getting it in. Yes. We forgot to I do got, points. I got Dave's. I got Dave's. Yeah. You figured it out. Yeah. What would you say? Did we do some sort of point system last year? I can't even remember. If we... I did, and I was ridiculed for it, so I decided not to do this year. Gosh, you! I, you know, this is what ha- I've slept since then, so I'd forgotten. But who cares? I had a great time going over all these with you guys today. I look forward to doing this again next week when we wrap up the stream. Are you okay there, Tony? That wasn't yeah. even meant to be a slide on you. Oh no, no, I just you just. <laughs>
It's like I stabbed an open wound and I didn't even know I did it. Basically, every time a certain streaming service got an award, we put a point towards that. Right, right. The best and overall. That, that, yeah, we did like an overall. We already have the this category. year. We just gave it away. Yeah, it's the cock. I mean, this year too. It was a it was a double nerdy. So I guess in that respect, yeah. If you go by the majority rules. Um. All right. Before we get out of here, let's do a quick once around. Tell everybody where they can find you on the socials and on the Chair Shot Radio Network. This week we will start. Uh, DJ, tell them where to find you and how to listen to you. Uh, you can listen to me every Saturday on the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Jason, Rob, and I are uh, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter, at the Mindless Pod. And if you want to watch video of our ugly mugs, you can go check us out on YouTube. Just look at uh, the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. David Ongar. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, or not Twitter, at X, at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude J. AGG Facebook.com slash attitude of aggression and on threads and Instagram at attitude of aggression, all one word. And of course, if you disagree with our picks, you didn't like, you know, a double nerdy on the cock, whatever the case may be, then please send your hate tweets to at it's me DPP. Why Tony? Yeah. Fuck that guy. PC Tony. I, you know, you can, you can find me promoting screen X and writing a strongly worded letter to max about the cancellation of showtime the LA Lakers um, continue to listen to everything chair shot radio network on all your favorite streaming platforms and the chairshot.com. Always use your head. Always use your head and make sure to follow me on the X Twitter at wrestling realist. That is W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Also make sure that you follow the show on the X Twitter at bandwagon nerds. We need more than 11 people to vote on a name of an award show. So, listener, follow us. Follow our polls. Vote. Vote, vote, vote. We're begging because this is how you get stuck with the nerdies. Uh, as, I thought as the Wagoners was an excellent choice, but I, I got outvoted there. Honestly, you I, did. My, my retort to other would have been the BWNs. Yeah. Hindsight being everything. The only problem with the Wagoners, DJ, oh. is that, you know, Robert was calling us with a cease and desist and saying, no, you can't have the Wagoners. <laughs> the Wagoneers. I, I said the Wagoneers. It wasn't the Wagoneers. It was the Wagoneers was what I wanted. Okay. All right. Well, it didn't make it, so we'll move on. <laughs> Damn it. As Don't it is. Stop arguing. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you had a lovely, wonderful New Year's Eve slash day. We will catch you next week for part two of the Nerdies. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain. Driving me insane. All my life been so polite But I'll sleep alone tonight Cause I'm just kidding Anywhere else I'd be dead Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blonde fragility I'm just kidding Where I see love she sees a friend What will it take for her to see the man behind the tent and fight for me?
here that gave you your powers wasn't from your dimension. It was never supposed to bite you! Miguel, John! There's a world out there with no Spider-Man to protect them because it bit you instead. No. You're not supposed to be Spider-Man! No! You're lying! I'm Spider-Man! You're a mistake! If you hadn't been bit, your Peter Parker would have lived. Instead, he died, saving you. He would have stopped the Collider before it ever went off. Spot wouldn't exist, and none of this would have happened. And all this time, I have been the only one holding it all together. Miguel, go easy on him! You don't belong here. You never did. Let me go! that's enough! This isn't what we talked about! You talked about this? You knew? You all knew? I didn't know how to tell you. That's why you never came to see me. Oh, he smells like bad life choices. Ah, <laughs> uh, one drink, just one drink that doesn't taste like a theme park urinal.